We are back. On this program, obituaries tend to be reserved for this part of the show, the top of segment C. That's just the way it's evolved. Last Friday, after our program, we noted the passing of Nellie Conley, the last survivor of John Kennedy's limousine in Dealey Plaza on that fateful day of his assassination. And we would like very much to talk a little bit about Nellie Conley and why what she said on the day of the assassination and said presumably to the day she died about what happened is very much at odds with the official version. We're going to try and actually dig a clip off the web for next week's program. But... Um, at which time we will again speak with the guest we're about to go to now, our one of our uh, favorite investigative journalists, Lisa Pease. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, Lisa. Oh, thanks, Doug. Always a pleasure. I just committed you to coming on next week's program and talking about Nellie Conley, but I'm oh, sure that we can do that. <laughs> no problem. All right, all right. She's a fascinating story. I want to get a, a clip from her for, for our listeners, then, then you and I can explain why what she had to say was more important than I think anybody really knows. Absolutely. But, I, but uh, since it is an obituary, I want to talk about uh, the case not of John F. Kennedy, but of his brother, Bobby, who was assassinated in Los Angeles in 1968 on this program previously. You spoke with us about a trip that we made on uh, one of the anniversaries. I think it was the 35th anniversary of, of um, RFK's death, where we visited the Ambassador Hotel. Um, in the past few weeks, that hotel, or was it months, I guess, recently, at any rate, the hotel's been knocked down. And uh, my understanding is one of the major reasons it was knocked down was that Sirhan Sirhan's lawyer, Lawrence Teeter, who we had on this program also talking about the case of Bobby Kennedy, passed away in Mexico. Right. And right. Larry Teeter, I guess, had been ill for a while. Right. Larry Teeter was a, a very, shall we say, very large man. I mean, he was very overweight. It's not entirely surprising to me that, you know, he had some serious medical issues. You know, it's sad, especially for Sirhan's case, because Larry was one of the few people willing to really dig in and learn the case and be a strong advocate on his client's behalf. Well, we certainly enjoyed talking to him on this program as he gave us an earful about the Kennedy case and the fact that the best evidence suggests there certainly was a second gun in the pantry that day. But oh, the, the, yeah. The legal case that he had tied up the city of uh, uh, the, um, the school board, I guess, which owns the Ambassador Hotel, was over the the matter of uh, of Sirhan and and this this question of evidentiary value to the to the case is my understanding. Right now, I'm not sure if he had already lost the case. It was kind of a given that he was going to lose that case in any event. And the L.A. Conservancy, a group that tries very hard to preserve historic buildings in L.A., Los Angeles is a place that has no respect for history. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, between Teeter and the Conservancy, they still weren't able to keep the school board, the LAUSD, uh, from destroying the property. They had actually taken it over from Donald Trump. Trump had originally bought that property, but then failed to develop it, and the school board used eminent domain to basically seize the property. So hmm. they didn't really buy it. They just kind of grabbed it. And, uh, and an interesting little tidbit, the, for whatever reason, the LAUSD let the Los Angeles Police Department conduct shooting exercises in the hotel. They were shooting up the upper floors, practicing for urban warfare. How ironic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, Lawrence Teeter was, was a nice fella. I, I certainly enjoyed talking with him. We, we maybe at some point will go back and re-air some of what he had to say. We certainly, we certainly mourn his passing, and, and I'm sorry to say that when I was in L.A. driving down Wilshire Boulevard last month, 
I went to the site where you and I and Mr. McMillan visited the hotel a few years back, and there is no hotel now. It's, it is gone. There are no trees. There's no parking lot. I mean, there's, like, nothing there except the old grove, and it's not really the old grove. It's the newfangled grove that was remodeled after Robert Kennedy's death. That's all that they preserve, just kind of the facade of the old grove. Well, we need to talk about that subject again when, I guess, the movie comes out about, about our RFK. Is that coming? Yes. Tell us about that. You know something yeah, about Yeah, Emilio Estevez wrote yeah. and directed a new film coming out uh, in the United States on the anniversary of John Kennedy's death, November 22nd. But it's already playing in film festivals now. It's called Bobby, and it's a fictional story about people who might have worked on Kennedy's campaign or people who could have worked in the hotel. You know, he basically invented some characters he borrowed from a few real characters and basically told a whole story about the 60s, about what Bobby represented by illustrating it through the lives of these 20-some characters. He got pretty much every star in the firmament wow. <laughs> to be in this movie. Anthony Hopkins, Demi Moore, Sharon Stone, you know, his father, you know, uh, Martin Sheen, uh, many, many others, Lawrence Fishburne. William Macy, uh, Lindsay Lohan, the list goes on and on. Um, anyway, I had the great privilege of actually being on the set of that <laughs> film for four days. I was a little extra, so I don't know oh. if you see me in the background or not, but well, I also got to meet Emilio and his researcher and now find that the two of them are engaged. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is interesting. Um, but I, it just got a seven-minute standing ovation when it showed in Venice. So I, I take it it came out very well. People say it's very powerful and moving and kind of a, a statement about how much we lost when Bobby Kennedy was killed. Well, Lisa, we will have to talk about that in, in November and, uh, and, and go see the film. Yeah, I think so. But I would remind our listeners I've committed you to coming back next week to talking about Nellie Conley. So we'll do that. All right. All right, that was Lisa Pease, investigative journalist, uh, one, of our, one of our favorites from, from Los Angeles, and she'll be back next week, as promised. You know, in this program, we don't like to belabor these issues of, of political assassinations that have taken place, uh, in many cases, decades ago, but I think it's important to note that the investigations of uh, really most of the important ones appear to have been whitewashes through and through. This is something that is worth mentioning from time to time, and I really look forward to speaking with Lisa about the matters of, uh, of both Kennedys, John and uh, Robert. Someone who I think I will r let go unmentioned uh, by name on this program was talking to me a week ago, and he put a couple ideas out that I thought, you know, merited uh, some further examination. He's a rather very, he's an extremely sober-minded individual and, and not given to flights of, uh, of fantasy, but he, uh, he pointed out that it was worth noting that, uh, that this matter of uh, the JonBenet Ramsey arrest taking place over in Thailand uh, kind of got the whole, you know, media of the world, or the media of the U.S., uh, you know, all fired up and looking at that. Did you note, I didn't note this, but he did, that we had a homeland security spokesman over in Thailand talking to the press about the arrest of this uh, this so-called suspect. As as things were looking rather rather poorly over in Iraq, all of a sudden Iraq was pushed off page one by uh, the arrest over in Thailand. It's interesting that a homeland security fellow was was involved. I'm not drawing any conclusions, but I think it's worth taking a look at. 
If you have any information on that, please write us at info at radioparallax.com. Part two to this uh, speculation would be to note that right about the time Joe Lieberman was going down in Connecticut, the U.S. government leaked uh, what U.K. security experts had been investigating over there. That uh, that bomb plot is still being looked into, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not clear where that's going to go. But I do share a certain suspicion about the timing of the fact that right about the time Joe Lieberman's going down in flames, uh, all of a sudden we've got a big, uh, big plot that we're busting up over in the U.K. I don't know. We should mention, as we like to do on every program, that uh, the opinions expressed on this show represent those of uh, the host alone. They do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. But I do feel that if you examine the matter really closely, you'll find that we have an uncommon ability to suss out the truth. Of course, that's in the British vernacular, as, as Jack Parr uh, pointed out many years ago. You know, it's their language, and they do use it a lot better than we do. But in the American lingo, to suss out would be uh, to, to figure out. Anyway, speaking of, uh, of Connecticut, as we just were, uh, we're sorry to report that it appears we're unable to make our, uh, our connection with uh, Senator Joe Lieberman. Of course, uh, the senator was very, very accommodating in speaking with us uh, on this program previously. We, we hope that he will give us some updates as to what's going on in his battle to be returned to the Senate as an independent uh, in Connecticut. Now let's do a few miscellaneous items here as we wind down today's program. Apparently the former Illinois governor George Ryan, nominated for a Nobel Prize because he commuted 157 death sentences over doubts about the state's criminal justice system, was sentenced to six and a half years in prison. Uh, no, not for commuting 157 death sentences, although it probably should have gotten him some prison time, uh, but for public corruption. Yes, I know a lot of you out there are death uh, penalty opponents, but when I think of uh, the, the difficulties the expense of, of actually getting 157 murderers onto death row and having the governor go along and say, you know, i got some doubts about a few of these. Let's just invalidate all of them. Anyway, George Ryan said on September 6th that it was the saddest day in my life, shortly before U.S. District Judge Rebecca Palmeyer pronounced sentence. Curiously, Ryan, a former pharmacist, was defended by uh, another former Illinois governor, James Thompson. At least his law firm defended Ryan. Ryan, who served as governor from 1999 to 2003, was accused of trading Caribbean trips, gifts, and cash for state contracts. The former governor, who also served as Illinois' Secretary of State from 1990 to 1998, was indicted by a grand jury in December 2003 for offenses committed while at both posts. All right, as we move closer and closer toward election time, we're going to take up various matters uh, related to that. Uh, one of them is going to be this initiative on the ballot regarding eminent domain. Across the country, people have been galvanized to act. Legislators uh, uh, all across the nation are trying to shore up uh, property rights in the wake of the Supreme Court decision that local governments can seize homes to make way for private developments that will uh, generate more cash for the local economy. It was a, a shocking decision and a bad one. And uh, 
In California, we're going to get a chance to vote on an initiative that uh, that will supposedly address this, but apparently it is filled with all sorts of mischief. We're just going to hold off on talking about that today because we have no time, but uh, we will get to it. We're also going to try and bring back one of KDVS's own, uh, Jeffrey Kravitz, uh, the former host of Panic Attack uh, here on uh, KDVS. Uh, Mr. Kravitz is running as the Green Party candidate for the congressional seat formerly occupied by Robert Matsui, currently occupied by Doris Matsui in, uh, in sort of a, uh, <laughs> a Democratic Party um, decision that it should be kept in the family and, uh, you know, the voters be damned. With the uh, gerrymandering in the legislature, of course, uh, Robert Matsui's uh, seat is a lock for, uh, for his wife. Uh, nevertheless, uh, the Republican Party is uh, running, sending up an opponent for the slaughter. Uh, Zhao Chin Claire Yan uh, stepped off the campaign trail a couple weeks back uh, to begin her first year in law school at uh, UC Berkeley. Yeah, I think we definitely have to give, uh, get uh, Jeff Kravitz uh, on, this, uh, on this program. Uh, Doris Matsui was unopposed in the June Democratic primary, uh, and the only candidate on the Republican ballot was Yan, a 25-year-old education policy analyst at the Pacific Research Institute. Matsui's election is considered such a cakewalk that she hasn't even bothered to set up a campaign office. The campaign's address is a P.O. box. There's no telephone number. It has no staff. Anyway, I think we're going to try and stay away from election politics until October. We've got a lot of ground to cover here in uh, in the month of September. We will do what we promised to do, which is an update on the situation in Lebanon. The preliminary reports I've gotten from uh, Leila Anani, who was there uh, during uh, the Israeli attack, is that the whole country is ground to a halt. Nobody's doing anything, and they're just expecting the worst. They're expecting more attacks. Uh, I did speak to Gil Medavoy yesterday and apologize to him. I've been meaning to get Gil on this show to talk about this from the Israeli perspective, or at least from the peace activist Israeli perspective. Uh, we'll have Gil on uh, next week or the week after, one or the other. We also very much hope to track down uh, R.V. Scheid's uh, connection over in, uh, in Lebanon. Uh, Rita Malouf, who was sending him emails uh, Rita is supposed to be coming here to UCD to uh, start the fall quarter. We, uh, we hope that uh, she makes it, and we hope that she'll uh, speak with us, or, or perhaps better yet, uh, talk to Gil on, on his show, Crossing Continents, which is here on KDVS every Sunday afternoon. Uh, closing item of the day, just a brief excerpt from a letter to the Bee, written by Alan Hansen of Cameron Park. Citing an item in the Bee's uh, forum on August 27th, he asked, why wasn't this on page one? Noting that uh, in the forum they reported that after five weeks of being told that the Israeli invasion of Lebanon was caused by the kidnapping of two Israeli soldiers, we now find out that this invasion had been planned for some time, not only by Israel, but with the good old U.S. of A. as a prelude to an invasion of Iran. Asked Mr. Hansen, why is this revelation not on the front page? I just hope the Jean Benet reporting will not provide more egg on thy face. We are out of time. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. 
Our thanks to uh, Jeff Shaw, station director at uh, KDIRT here in Davis, for talking to us. We'll be talking to Jeff again and to our investigative reporter down in Los Angeles, Lisa Pease. It's always fun to talk to Lisa, always informative, and she'll be back next week to talk about the passing of Nellie Conley. I'm Douglas Everett. This has been Radio Parallax. We'll see you next Thursday at 5. In the meantime, stay tuned for Todd.